Amen. Okay. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you that uh, faith that becomes living. We thank you that the faith of Christ lives in us. We have the faith of Christ. And today we, we, we expect it to, to manifest in our minds and transform, do a, do a transforming work in our beings so that we can be like you. We just love you, we praise you, and we receive this in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're on a series, Rooted, Foundations for Kingdom Living, Psalms 11.3, What Can the Righteous Do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And, and we've been, um, over the last months, we've been building these foundations, these spiritual foundations of the kingdom of God in our lives. And we've, we're two-thirds through it, two-thirds through, through it so far. We've looked at already understanding God's love for you. We looked at understanding your spiritual makeup. You, are, you have a spiritual makeup. You're not just what you see in the mirror. That's called your meat suit. That's the uh, the theological term. Um, But you are a spirit who has a soul, a mind, will, emotions, a conscience, and you live in a body. So you are a spirit, soul, and body. That makes up your whole man. Um, Understanding how God sees you. We looked at that. And then understanding your identity of, in Christ, we just finished that. Today we are starting understanding your true nature, understanding the true nature of God, and then we will be closing out this lengthy series by understanding your spiritual authority. So today we're going to be looking at understanding the nature of God. And I feel that this is going to be a shorter message today, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, because I, I wanted to jump into this slowly, because we are going to be tackling a lot of religious traditions. We're going to be slaughtering religious cattle, you know, these, these idols that we, we, these false gods that we create in our lives. You know, Christians are just as guilty as pagans of creating false gods. You can be sincere. You can be sincerely serving God, but be serving a false God. What do you mean, Chad? What are you talking about? Well, look at the Apostle Paul. When he was Saul, he thought he was serving God. But Jesus intervened, and he was actually warring against the very God that he thought he was serving. Why do you persecute me? Wow. So is it possible that we have a false God that we're serving? And as, real, as, as many of us have come, back, come through forms of religion, and religious, you can be in a spirit-filled church and just be a, just as religious as a dry church. So this is so important. This is so important. And the reason 
We like our gods that we make up because there's safety. There's safety in believing that I'll just throw it out there. I'm getting ahead of myself. That, that God controls everything. That nothing happens unless God wills it or okays it. There's safety. I'm not responsible. Pastors love that. Because every time there's a tragedy in people's life, it's so easy just to say, well... We just don't know why God does the things that he does. Oh, I wish, I wish I could say that. It'd be so easy. It'd be so easy to tell people, you know, you never know what God's going to do. His ways are higher than our ways. We, we just don't know why he sovereignly did what he did. Whew. That'd make my job a hundred times easier. Just blame God. And, and right now, I'm, I'm probably making people angry with me. But we need to know the true nature of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs, what is it? Five, oh, three, five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know that word trust? In the dictionary, it's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So the question is, do you trust God this morning? Oh, don't answer that too quickly. Do you trust God or do you trust your, yourself? Do you trust God in everything? See, the original sin of Adam and Eve was that they exalted their own reasoning above that of God. They reasoned, if we eat this, we'll be like God. We will know good from evil. We will decide for ourselves what is good and what is evil. See, there is a supernatural wisdom and understanding that comes from God. And we talked about this last week in some length. There is the wisdom of God that he is giving to us, the church, the believers, the righteous, the, the, the children of God. And, but it's often, this wisdom is often contrary to the wisdom of men. That's why it's so hard for you to do what God tells you to do. Do you realize that? The reason why it's so hard to do what, you, what we know God would have us do is because it's totally foreign to our reasoning. And since I've gotten everybody mad, I might as well just use the one that Jesus says is, is the, least, the least in the kingdom of God. This is just ba basic in the kingdom of God. It's finances. Do you trust God with your finances? No, we don't. We don't. Give and it shall be given back to you. No, our reasoning says if I give, I, I lose. But God says if you sow, you will reap. 
Do we trust God with all our heart? And why don't we trust God with all our heart? And there's many more I could bring up, but Jesus says that, that, that's, that's Christianity 101 right there, is trusting God with your finances. If, if you can't, he says, if you can't be faithful with, with unrighteous mammon, how can you be trusted with true riches? We are supposed to rely on, trust in God's wisdom and understanding and not our own. So do you trust God? Do you trust God in everything? Do you trust God with your children? Do you trust God in your marriage? Do you trust God on your job site? Do you trust God with your finances? Do you trust God with your health? Do you trust God with your future? If you trust God with your future, I should be able to come up to you and say, what vision does God have for your life? And you could tell me. What has God called you to? Where are you going in God? And it's, and we got to, well, I'm going to get off on something different there, so I got to stop. Many don't trust God, and the reason that they fail to trust God and continually lean to their own understanding is because they do not have a true revelation of the nature of God. We think that we know what's best for us because we love us. And because we don't know if God loves us, we don't know if his ways and what he's telling us to do and directing us is really good for us. Because we don't trust his nature. Maybe this isn't going to be short. So... So do you realize that how you see God, your impression, your impression of who you think God is, affects your entire relationship with him? The way, the impression that you have of God, the way that you see God affects your relationship with him. It affects how you trust him. And how you trust him affects how you are able to receive from him. As a pastor, I, I, I deal with this all the time. That people do not understand my heart for them. Listen, there is nothing, there is nothing that I need from any of you. I am not trying to get things from you. Same way with God. God's not trying to get, you don't, God doesn't need anything from you. Do you know that? If none of you guys showed up and this, this, this church just closed the doors and never existed again, I got a job. I got a really good job. I make good money. I'm not here because I need something from you. My heart for you guys are for you to become everything that God has created you to be and to change the world, change the community, cha- bring the kingdom But that's God's heart. And I deal with that. People question my motives. 
I don't need. We, we, there was one, oh man, I, whatever. There was, there was one, 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 one time I was preaching on God's will for finances, right? And we were talking, we were talking about the spirit of poverty. Because there is a mentality, there is a spirit of poverty that come on people. And you can see it. You can see it because, because it manifests in the way that they live. I mean, you don't have to drive a brand new car but to take care of the one you got. Right? There is a mentality. If, you, if, if, if I go to your car and I open it up and there's a year's worth of fast food that falls out the door... That's a mentality. That's a spirit of poverty. They don't see themselves, as we've been studying, as royalty. Right? And I was preaching that. And I had a teenage daughter come up to me. And she says, why are you talking about my family? That family's not here anymore. I wasn't. I was revealing truth so that they could come up to who they truly are. And if you, <laughs> I'm not saying that all pastors you should trust. And I'm not saying that, I don't know what I'm saying now. Because I was going to say, but you can trust me. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not a crook, huh? <laughs> But get to know the heart of your pastor. Get around him. I mean, uh, truth, truthfully, I, oh, man, I'm getting way off now. But tr truth, truthfully, it takes three years to really know somebody. That's why a lot of denominational pastors only last about three years and then they move on to another church. Because by that time, the congregation has revealed who they really are and he has revealed who he is and it doesn't work. Right? So if, if you're new at Karis New Testament Church, just hang around for three years and you see if, see if you like it or not. See if you like it or not, right? But anyways, where are we? Right. <laughs> so God's heart, the way that the impression that God has for you, the impression that you have of God changes your relationship. It affects your relationship. It affects how you can receive from him and trust him. And what's another word for trust? Faith. For many of us, one of the primary reasons that, we, that your life is not going the way that you would like is because of concepts that you have about God that are incorrect. Let's examine what the Holy Spirit says in 2 Peter. In 2 Peter verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Who wants more grace multiplied to them? Isn't this interesting? That grace can actually be multiplied. God's favor, God's ability, his anointing is, is able to be multiplied to you. And the peace of God, who wants a little bit more peace in life? The peace of God can be multiplied to you. So how is grace and peace multiplied to you? Is it through fasting and prayer? Is it, is it going from 
one convention, Christian convention and having the super dupers lay their sweaty palms on you? I, it, it's funny, but people think that. They think that to get more of God, I need to go and have someone give me more of God. Now, there is, there is the laying on of hands, and there is the transfer of the anointing and, and, and um, calling. It's more of a prophetic act of calling people into who God, who, who God, it's who God is calling them to be. And it's, it's more of a confirmation than actually a giving. It's confirming what should be already going in a person's heart. So, is it through fasting and prayer? Is it through the, getting it, trying to get it from somebody else? You're getting hot, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Them <laughs> generously. Oh my goodness, we're out of control. So, so how how does more grace come? How does the peace of God come? Grace, God's divine favor, and peace, and the peace of God is multiplied to you or according to, according to the knowledge that we have of God and Jesus. Right? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge or according to the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ or Jesus our Lord. Do you know that wrong knowledge produces wrong results? We learned that in school, didn't we? If you put down the wrong answer on the test, it produces the wrong, the wrong results. Wrong knowledge produces the wrong results. So how can, we ha- how can we know if we have the wrong knowledge about God? Well... Is his divine favor, grace multiplied in your life, being multiplied in your life? Is, the, is his divine peace that passes all understanding continually multiplying in your life? Right? Because that's just what it said. It said that when we have correct knowledge of God and we have correct knowledge of Jesus Christ, grace and peace is continually multiplied to your life. See, I, if, if that's not the case, we either do not have knowledge of God or the knowledge that we have of God is incorrect. I heard it said that faith begins where the will of God is known. Or another way of saying this is true faith is trust in the knowledge of God. True faith is trust in the knowledge of God. See, faith is based on knowledge, and wrong knowledge will always produce wrong faith. If we are not getting the desires, results that we want, I guarantee, listen, I guarantee that somewhere you have a misconception of the nature of God. If you're not getting the results that you want in your life, 
that you see that are promises of God in his word. I guarantee you, if you spend time with God and honestly search what you believe about God, you will find that you have a misconception of who God is, and because of the misconception that you have of God, it's contaminating your faith. See, the problem is we don't have a faith, we don't have a faith issue, we have a doubt issue. And when we, when we think God we think, when we think God is different than he actually is, it causes doubt. Verse 3. According, according as his divine power hath given unto us some little things for church. Little things to make you pious and better than the world. You know, more, more moral. Look, look at this. He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life. That pertain unto life. What is going on in your life? God wanting, is wanting to give you all things that pertain to life through his divine power, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness according. According to what? According to the knowledge we have of him. All things. All things. Do I need to go into the Greek definition of all? It means all. See, the problem is, is we read the book and we, 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 we say, well, that's talking about spiritual things. No, he's talking about life here. All things that pertain to life. Does God, so is your job part of life? Yeah, guess what? He's got divine power for your job. Does your retirement have something to do with life? And, that, and you don't retire you just transition to a new opportunity. You, do you know the Bible? There's nowhere in the Bible, there's no Hebrew word for retire. We just transition to new things in God. Does he care? Is children and your family part of life? Is your marriage part of life? Is your finances part of life? Is your car part of life? Is, is, is your vacation home part of life? Or the desire to have a vacation home part of life? Is your going on vacation, is that part of life? God isn't just in what we call church things. He wants to be involved in every part of your life. And as I said a couple weeks ago, you are a billboard. You are the marketing plan for the kingdom of God. When people look at you, they just say, wow, I want a father like that. But most of the time we say, hey, if you don't want to come to go to hell, come with me to church and you can be as miserable as I am. <laughs> All things, all things that pertain to life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of him, everything. So what do you need today? What's your need? 
Anything that you need for this life is nothing more than a need to understand who God is in that need. Your problem isn't your need. Your problem is not understanding who God is in that need. If we really knew God, if we really understood the nature and the character of God, the worry and unbelief, fear that many people live with on a daily basis would not even be a factor if they knew how faithful God is. If they truly knew how much God loved them and was for them, 100% for them and not against them. If you understood the integrity of God, his faithfulness, and it was established in your heart, care, worry, frustration, fear would not even be an issue in your life. I mean, we've all heard the stories of little kids and their dads, and they don't have no fear because their daddy's there. And that might not be the story for everybody. But we all understand that picture, don't we? My kids don't come to me and say, Dad, I'm really worried about dinner tonight. I'm really worried about our, if there's going to be groceries in the, in the refrigerator. Why, 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 why don't they worry? Because Dad's there. You know, the things that we concern ourselves with as parents, see, they don't, they don't realize that for parents, parents are wondering, is there going to be groceries in the refrigerator? Parents are wondering, is how we're going to get a new pair of sneakers for the kids? Parents are wondering how we're paying for the diapers. Parents are wondering, college, what in the world? <laughs> Do you know why? Because we don't think daddy's there. There's a doctrine in the body of Christ, and because the body of Christ has taught this concept so strongly, it actually has overflown into the world, and the world has picked it up, and it's a damnable heresy. Those are strong words. Well, we're talking about my father. It is a concept of God that will totally cause God's nature to be portrayed incorrectly. It's the religious definition of sovereignty. I'm going to get people mad here. If you think that God sovereignly controls everything that goes on in the world, there is no way that you can have a good view of the nature of God. You will question God. You might serve him out of fear, but you will question his nature. And most of the questions that Christians have stream from this line of thought. If God is love, 
Well, what, what about this in the Old Testament? If God is love, why did he allow this to happen? If you want to, divine, to define sovereignty as the dictionary defines it, I'm with you. See, we, have, we, we made up our own definition of sovereignty in the church. The, the dictionary says that sovereignty, it, it, it defines it as first in rank, order, or authority. And if you want to come to me and say that God is sovereign and that's your definition, I'll say amen. You are absolutely right. There is no one more powerful than God. There is no one above God. He's above all things. He created all things. No one tells God what to do. And anything he wants to do, he can do it at any time. I'll agree with you there. But if you want me to believe that God causes everything that happens in this world, I will absolutely not go along with that definition. Do I believe that everything happens only happens by God, God's permission? Does the devil, there's, it's weird things people think, that the devil has to go up and get permission to God, from God to, to do things. And, they, and I know where they get it. They get it from the book of Job. We're not going to get to all that. That God, you know, it couldn't happen if God didn't allow it. You think that there, everything in this earth happens because God said, yes, do that, do that. That's okay. He might not did it himself, but he had other people do it for him, which is the same thing, Right? If that's true, then God is a monster. He's a monster. He's schizophrenic too. He's like the dad that's an alcoholic that comes home and beats her kids and then goes out and buys them a new bike and says, I, I didn't really mean to do that. I love you so much. Here it is. Here, here's this gift. And then you never know how dad, God's going to act. You never know how dad's going to be. He's a monster. Well, thank God that's not the true nature of God. Look at James chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. It says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? What's the source of quarrels and conflicts in this earth? What's the source of all of our problems? Well, according to the sovereign of God doctrine, it's God. God is the source of all of our issues. God is the source of all our quarrels. God is the source of all wars. God is the source of all trouble and pain and heartbreak in the earth. But that's not what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit in James says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. I don't see God mentioned in any of that. Why do bad things happen in the world? Because of us. Because of us, Period. People say, why did God allow this to happen? 
He doesn't. God didn't do it. God did not bring sin into the world. God didn't bring sickness and poverty into the world. He is not the source of our heartache and trouble. We did all that, and we continue, continually do that to this day. When God created the world, it was what? It was good. And it was not only good, it was very good. Very good. It was perfect. Everything that we needed was provided. Have you ever thought about that? That God created everything that humanity would need, and then he put man in the garden. He made sure that there was air for us to breathe. He made sure there was animals and fruit for us to, the fruit so that we can eat. He made sure everything was there, and then he put us there. God provided everything, and it was good. But it was us, it was us that chose to live independently from the knowledge of him. And you're saying, yeah, that, that old Adam and Eve, they wrecked it for us all. No, you do it every day. You do it every day. You choose to live independently from the knowledge of God in your life every single day. Well, do you, no, I don't. Then why do you worry? Why do you fear? Why do you fret? God is not the one that's stealing our children. And I don't... He doesn't need another angel in heaven. He's not the one that causes birth defects. He's not the one causing wars and devastation in the world. You know, you hear, you hear crazy stories. Two, two, teen, two teenagers, they get, drink more than they should be drinking. Well, a teenager, you shouldn't be drinking at all, according to the law. And they get in a car wreck. And they kill themselves. And two people get saved at the funeral. And the pastor says, well, we don't know why God does what he does, but he, might have, he must have done it just for those two souls to receive Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? That's pretty brutal way. But the truth of the matter is, is why did it happen? It happened because two teenagers broke the law, did what they weren't supposed to do, overindulged in alcohol, got behind a wheel, and got a car wreck. But it's hard to say that. God didn't do it. See, and the problem is, the problem is the reason why we won't say the truth is because we don't love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't even love our neighbor as a self. The reason, because someone might say, well, I don't want to offend the person. I, don't, I, I love them. I want. No, the truth of the matter is, is you love yourself. You love yourself more than anything, and you couldn't spare the thought of someone being mad at you. You having fun? God is not the one that's doing it. Well, he could stop it. He could stop it at any time. Yeah, and I could take my kids and chain them to the wall, make sure they never did anything wrong. But that would never change their hearts, would it? 
You say, we want God to take people's free will from them. How about yours? Why don't you just allow him through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God? Why don't you start doing everything God tells you to do? He could stop it, yeah. But it won't, wouldn't change his heart. It wouldn't create a relationship. It wouldn't. Why do we have kids? You know, there's a lot of people that won't have kids because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid of the world that they're going to be brought into. They're afraid of, of genetics and what has happened in their parent, in, in their, parent, their uh, family tree, you know, hereditary type stuff. They're, they're, there's, people, there's people that are afraid of how much it's going to cost. All of these things. They could, they could grow up to be bad. They could grow up to be a criminal. They could grow up to be... You know, God could have thought the same way that we think. But I think he did. I think the angels probably even said, do you realize what you're doing by giving these people free will? And they could do this. They could do that. They could do this. And I could just hear the faith of God saying, but what if they don't? But what if they don't? God could stop it. And the truth of the matter is, he does. Through us. If, if the church would stand up against the atrocities that are in this earth, and many of the atrocities in this earth is, is cloaked in false morality, if we would just have the guts to stand up. I mean, I hate even bringing up Hitler and Nazi Germany and all, all of that, but where, where was the church? Because it gets thrown out there so much. Where was the church? It's funny. You know what, you know what is very funny, though? It's funny that God, people want God to intervene and stop these atrocities that are happening in the world. But the couple places in the Old Testament that it seems that God did, he, he had enough, and, and to save humanity, he had to intervene and bring devastation and destruction. Then they turn around and use that as evidence that God is vengeful and mean and that his nature is wrath. Right? No, Noah. God killed them all. No, he didn't. He, there was a few righteous. Sodom and Gomorrah. God wiped it all out. No, he didn't. Abraham actually was a friend of God, and they were discussing. They were discussing, God, this isn't who you are. You know, if, the, if there's 50 righteous, would you save the city from 50 righteous? And God says, Okay. And then he just works and on down and on, down and on. And God says, okay, I'll save the whole city if there's that many. And you know what? There wasn't that many. But the ones that were righteous, he saved. <laughs> but we use that. We use that to show that God really isn't a good God. So what is it? Do we want God to intervene? 
Or do we want free will? Thank God, God did intervene and at the same time has given us free will through Jesus Christ. We blame God. We blame God. We blame God for the things in this earth. The truth is, is that God has stopped the power and devastation of sin. And he did it through Jesus. So start believing the good news. Start being transformed. Get out and share the good news so that the world might be transformed. Stop blaming my heavenly father. We blame God for all the issues of this world when most, most of us are not even faithful to walk in the knowledge of God in our own homes. Man, what would happen if homes just started radiating the knowledge of God? Do you, can you see? I, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit has pulled the scales off your eyes so that you can see what a damnable heresy this is. Blaming God for everything that goes wrong. If you believe that nothing happens in this world unless God does it or allows it, then you have no right to be upset with me today. Because I couldn't even teach this message unless God was allowing it. Right? I could come up and slap you across the face and you can't do nothing because you got to blame God for it. Because I couldn't, I wouldn't have slapped you. I wouldn't have slapped you unless God willed it. You can't criticize the way I dress, the way I talk, anything, because it's God's will. Well... Well, brother, you might say, you know, you might say, well, I don't believe that God causes murder and rape and, th and things like that. You have to. You have to or you need to change your definition of the sovereignty of God. See, if you believe this about God, it's going to affect the way that you relate to God. When you think that God is not going to be faithful to keep his word because of something you failed to do. Reading your Bible, I don't pray enough, I don't tithe, and so on. That's going to affect the way that you're going to receive from him. Your own conscience will condemn you. Your own conscience will condemn you because that's the way that you think God is. So then you're saying, I'm not doing those things. So you feel condemned towards God and you can't have faith in God. It will condemn you and it will affect your trust. It will affect your faith in God. Your own conscience will tell you you are not deserving of the blessings of God. And you're right. You're right. None of us are deserving of the blessings, the blessings of God. We don't receive from God in proportion to how holy we are in our physical body. That is a misunderstanding of the nature of God. And don't tell me you don't do it. The, each one of you, I guarantee you, each one of you have done this. 
And I have too. Because I don't, didn't understand his nature. There are things in your life that you wanted God to do, and so you either consciously or subconsciously say, I'm going to start doing this, and then maybe God will cause this to happen in my life. <laughs> Some of you are at church this morning because of that. We don't deserve anything. But because of Jesus and faith in his accomplished work, all the promises of God find their resounding yes and their amen in him. It's because of Jesus. Do you know what is the biggest promoter of the idea that God is the one sending hurricanes, tornadoes, causing all the pain and suffering in the world? What's the biggest promoter of this? The church. The church is. The majority of, church, of, of, of the church does not know the true nature of God, and we are bringing confusion to the world. The majority of the church is guilty of misrepresenting the nature of God more than unbelievers are. In 1 John 3, 1, I guess this is going to be a long message. 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how great the love of the Father has bestowed on us that the world that we would, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. I oh, mean, I could camp right there. We are. That's present tense. It's not we will be. We are children of God now. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. See that knowledge? See, they don't know who we are. Because they don't know him. And once they know him, they're going to know who we are, and then they're going to know who they are. Not knowing. It says, beloved, now we are, he says it again, children of God. And it has not appeared yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. You know what this is saying? It says when Jesus appears, it says we will be like him. You'll be in a twinkling of an eye. You'll be transformed into it, my, spirit, soul, and body. Bam, you're like Jesus. And, and why, why? Why? Why will we be like him then? Why, why will we be transformed? Why will we be changed like him? Because we will see him as he truly is. Because we will know him. We will be changed into his image at his coming because we will see him as he truly is. Do you know that now, right now, even now, to the extent that we know him, you can be changed into the image of God? To the extent that you know God in your life. We got, you guys are acting like we forgot what we, what we, what we read in, in Peter. Right? Grace and, and, and uh, grace and peace be multiplied on you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. The more that you know God, the more you're going to be like him. Any area of our lives that we are not reflecting the image of God is due to the fact that we have not seen or known him in that area. Do you see why being a friend of God is so important? 
Do you see, this is all about relationship. It's not about religion. If you have anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, lack, doubt, unbelief, sickness, disease, loneliness, hurt, hopelessness, you have not seen God in that area of your life. There's areas of my life that I need to know him better. I need to know his identity better. I'm not up here saying that I got it all down. You can only truly see the true nature of God, the true, who the true nature of God is. Let me rephrase this. It is impossible for you to see the true nature of God, who he truly is, his identity, and remain the same. When you see God as your healer, you see him as your provider, when you see him as he truly is, his true nature, you cannot remain the same. You might have head knowledge. You might be able to quote me scriptures, even give me the address, chapter and verse. But if it has not become a living reality in your life, a living reality. This is my reality. Just if we could grasp the knowledge of the love of God has for you. In Romans, we're coming to an end here. In Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 32, one of my most favorite scriptures, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We don't believe that because we have the wrong identity of our father. We don't, we don't even have a true revelation of the love of God in our lives. To understand the pain, the suffering that Jesus endured for us. For us. If we did, we would be just as bold as the Apostle Paul who wrote this to the Romans. If God is willing to give us Jesus to allow himself to be delivered up for us, that we could be free, how dare us believe that he is not 100% for us, that in the fact that in Jesus, he wants to freely give us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. See, right now, if there's anything in your life, if there's anything in your life that you are not, you know that God promises that he, he would do it, right? If there's anything in your life that you're, in your mind, you're saying, well, God, it might not be God will for this to happen in my life. Or God might be teaching me something through this. Or God, it might, you know, sometimes God's, God's uh, answer is no. All these spiritual things we say. Do you realize that you're elevating that issue in your life above Jesus Christ? What do you mean? Because he says, if he was willing, if he did not spare Jesus for you, how will he not freely 
give you all things. All things. We elevate so many things in our life above the value of Jesus. This, this scripture is the true nature of God. But people have these weird ideas about God, that God is the one that's killing people. No, the wages of sin is death. The law of sowing and reaping is in effect. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But religion says this is the nature of God. We say stupid things like, if America doesn't repent, God's going to destroy her. That if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm here to tell you that if God does judge America, he's going to have to apologize. But he's going to have to apologize to Jesus Christ. All of our sins, past, present, and future, were placed upon Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he is not imputing our sins against us any longer. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that America isn't ungodly. I'm not saying that we're not doing things that are contrary to God and his nature and his plans for our lives. But God is not going to get us for it. The wages of sin in and of itself is a more judgment than we can endure alone. We are in the process of destroying ourselves. We need to change. We need revival. We need to proclaim the kingdom and transform culture and bring heaven to earth. So let's do that, church. Let's do it. Let's let's not sit back and just wait for the judgment of God to fall on all the heathen. But let's bring the kingdom. Let's bring the kingdom. Let's work together to transform our communities. Let's find out what God's called us to. Seek him for for a vision for our life. And watch the miracles take place. We're going to be looking at this in the future, in future months, future weeks. We're going to start looking at how do we, a small church, in basically a rural, small town, bring radical transformation. I'm asking you to join us. In 1 John chapter 18, man. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you know how many Christians are serving God out of fear? Serving God out of fear. Fear that God is going to do something terrible to them or that they would lose their salvation. They are not perfected in love. They're perfected in fear. And fear has torment because of not knowing the true nature of God. They, they're actually tormented by a false God based in the false knowledge they have about the true God. They serve God not because they enjoy serving God. 
They come to church not because to be edified, build up in the strength and get purpose, vision, and empowerment to transform the world. They come because they're afraid. They don't see themselves as joint heirs, children of God, heirs to the kingdom, but they see themselves as slaves and serve out of obligation and fear of punishment. If you don't enjoy the things of God or serving in the kingdom of God, you do not truly understand the nature of your father. Alicia and the praise team, can you, can you come up? Is it any wonder, church, is it any wonder why our relationship is hindered with our heavenly father? This was just the intro today. Today was designed just to get your wheels spinning. Some of you, I can see the smoke. We've had, we've had so much, we have so much more to cover. And in the coming week, we'll, we'll continue to build upon this truth. But I want, you, I want you in the coming weeks to start evaluating for yourself how you see God. Look for areas that the blessing is not manifesting in your life and ask Holy Spirit to reveal God's true nature in that area. Because he's mighty to save. Get a revelation of that nature and let him transform your situation. Renew your mind. Bring, and bring you, let, let the Holy Spirit renew your mind and bring you into a deeper trust and a deeper relationship in Him. This is good stuff. This will set you free. This will transform your life. And God is good. He's greater than we could ever imagine. And all he desires for you, believe it this morning, is good. That's all he ever desires for you is good. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.